94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. We welcome back to the show, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green. Good morning, sir. Good morning, guys. Great to hear your voices. Yes, very, very nice to hear you. Thank you so much for making the time. Quick question, we're just going to jump right into things because, you know, cases of COVID-19 rising really fast on the mainland. And here in Hawaii, we're having um, a slight increase as well. And so I guess the question for a lot of people is, is it time to really get concerned here? Uh, I'm concerned every single day. Until we get fully vaccinated and have immunity, I'm going to be concerned. But we're doing quite well. The, The positivity rate has stayed low. We do have a system in place to be able to ramp up security anytime we need. You know, we've we've put together the Safe Travels program and it worked. I mean, I'm being objective when I say that we've had extraordinarily few travel risks. Only 7% of the people that have come in have had to go into quarantine. And now they're increasing enforcement, too, there. Before that, nobody was getting tested, so it was a problem. The challenge is we still have some people entering uh, large gatherings without masks. And... Our mask wearing rate has has fluctuated as low down as the in the 70 percentiles. And sometimes we get up high to like 85. But until we're consistently over 90 percent mask wearing, we're still going to see some spread. Of course, we're now putting people back to work. So we're now spending six, eight, 10, 12 hours with people that we care about. If we're waiters or work at the hotels, things are starting to open up. And the only way to stop COVID is to wear a mask, socially distance and wash your hands. All the rest of it is just chatter. Good chatter. It's nice to have some extra security and safety, but we, like everybody else, have to do a good job. And I think that probably means we're going to ultimately have to up our game on a mask mandate, if I can just be blunt. And I think it's good that people are getting the message that that the holidays are coming and we have to be serious about our gatherings. But there is still a fair amount of people that, just don't take it to heart. And so there will be some spread. Mm. The mainland numbers scare us. If the mainland gets, here's, here's the thing. We set up the program so you have to get your test, right? And if you can't get a test, you can't come. So if the, if the numbers in the mainland get high and it's impossible to get test results, then it will not, there will not be much travel here. Mm-hmm. And vice versa. If it's low numbers and it's good and it's easy to get tests, there will be higher numbers here. I was talking to Director of Health about this yesterday, and we agreed that this is a very good it's a, it's a it's basically a valve that we have on travel to Hawaii right now. And I think that we can continue to tighten that valve. Do you think, um, you know, we reported on those gatherings at Halloween. We also reported on those long lines clustering, you know, at the voting centers, et cetera. Do we think that some of the uh, rise in cases here are due to those? I do. I think we're just seeing the beginnings of it. I don't think it's going to be, and I hope it won't be, I, I really don't think it will be either, like it was after uh, 4th of July, when those gatherings were huge. I mean, let's be, let's be honest. Everybody went to the beach because they had just been so stressed out and pent up for the whole spring. Mm-hmm. And so we had huge gatherings, and that caused our surge. The gatherings were much more modest. There were some, you know. And thank God for Halloween, because actually people were wearing a mask. But <laughs> they weren't surgical masks, and so there will be some spread. But it will not, at least from my first assessment, will not be like it was before. Uh, but that means that we have to be real careful. It, it sounds preachy, but we have to be careful all the way through, you know, through Thanksgiving, into the Christmas season. We're right now seeing very modest numbers. We are projecting more travelers coming here. And 
We're going to watch that day by day to make sure that they're really following the rules. Uh, I'm actually happy that the mayor is going to step up uh, and do some testing. He's got that testing van, which will be available uh, for our people more. It's not testing after you arrived here. It's testing for the Hawaiian, uh, for the Hawaii residents that, that would like extra testing. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So the other mayors are doing that very smart. I think we're, we're headed to a, um, we're, we're headed to a fall. Hawaii should do better than the rest of the country. I'm going to continue to make sure that we have whatever opportunities that Hawaii needs to, to get through this. And then the vaccination will come. So lots of work, but I don't want people to, to be scared. I want people to have hope that as long as we wear our masks, we can, you know, we can start getting back to normal. Okay. Lieutenant Governor, we're supposed to be starting that uh, travel from Japan. Uh, is there anything yeah. you're expecting? Anything you're looking forward to? The, the addition of Japan is uh, is really perfect for us because we've we set it up so that everyone in advance has their test done in advance. The Japanese community is super duper good at wearing masks. That's why their rates are one thirteenth of what they are in California. It tells me that there are going to be planefuls of people following the rules. And historically, keep in mind that Japan represented twenty percent of all of our travelers, mostly in Waikiki and 30% of all of our economic activity from tourism. So if you had to ask me what the safest choice for tourists is right now, I would put Japan right high up there on that list. Okay. Since we are talking about travelers coming in, uh, Lieutenant Governor, um, we keep getting questions from our listeners about why can't we require people coming into the state to take a second test. Can you clarify that for people who keep on asking? Yes. Uh, well, you, you can. Uh, you can ask for a second test. You can't force anybody to have something done to them as far as testing goes. You can't force them. What you can do is you can put them into quarantine. So we do have the legal right to tell people you would stay in quarantine until you've had a second completed test. But I, I do want to share with people that right now, based on the surveillance testing, one out of 1,100 people tested positive after coming here. It's 10 out of 11,000. So one out of each 1,100 people that came ended up having a positive test that was confirmed by PCR test. Right now, if you tested us just totally across our state, it's about one out of 700 people have, have COVID. We have a higher rate of COVID amongst us than travelers who have had a pretest. And it's really because the pretest weeds out a lot of people not because they're doing better than us. If you didn't do a pretest, the number would be higher. Mm. So the pretest makes it safer. And we also could do the same thing. We could be testing a lot more people and having people stay in isolation and quarantine. It would just cost tens of millions of dollars in tests that we don't have. So it's a complex situation. If people continue to worry about that, I, I will be worried about that. I've I have begun the process of checking whether or not we should have everyone have their tests finalized, completely finalized as negative before they get on a plane. Yeah, if we go that direction, it may be challenging to get the test in time. But look, if, if anything looks unsafe, and I say this to everyone who's listening, if anything looks unsafe or puts us at higher risk, we will adjust to make sure, make sure that we are only doing lower risk uh, making lower risk decisions, meaning that we are safer than our own baseline. We probably will have some extra COVID, but I watch many things. I don't just watch the number. I watch what the hospital's doing. We had 65 individuals in the hospital with COVID 
uh, yesterday. Mm. Compare that to late August when we had 318. Yeah. You know, it's like 20%. So uh, it's my job to to not panic, and it's my job to tell people the way it really is. And then I welcome every piece of input, but I, I don't respond um, – I don't respond emotionally to the numbers. I make sure that we're really checking to see what's smart for us because if you'd respond just to one day, like a couple of days ago we had 150, that was bad. But three days before that we had 62, you know? And so there are constant fluctuations and that's why every morning I wake up and make sure I got the latest data. Uh, if you follow data, we'll be okay. If we follow science, we'll be okay. And then we use some common sense, we'll be really good. But you know, this is a complex system. We've never had a, a global pandemic where there was shutdown before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green joining us here. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, you spoke earlier about a mask mandate and there may need to be some changes. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yes, there does need to be a mask mandate. The um, We have an order. The governor has, has actually made a very strong order in the, in the emergency proclamation, and it continues to be updated, uh, that everyone has to follow the mask orders of the counties, all of which insist on mask wearing, each a little different. The problem is this. In the law, the only thing that the, the police can do to enforce it or the attorney general can do to enforce these these quarantine violations is charge people with a misdemeanor, and that carries with it something on your record for good and a $5,000 fine up to, and up to a year in jail. And what we really need is to be able to quickly give people either a warning or a $100 ticket, just like jaywalking, just like speeding or going through a stoplight or whatever. We have to be able to quickly and efficiently deter people from not wearing masks. If we do that, we will decrease our our case rates by about 50%. We've studied this, or I have anyway, my team. They, They did some studies across the mainland United States, and they found that when you had some counties in one state with a mask mandate and others that didn't have it because they were allowed to choose, the counties with the mask mandate dropped their case rate by 50% immediately. 50%. It, it makes all the difference. And it, and it also goes out um, positively downstream because every time we have 100 fewer cases, we have seven fewer hospitalizations. And every time we have 100 fewer cases, we have one to two less deaths. Mm-hmm. So... We need a mask mandate. I expect I will be actually lobbying for a national mask mandate uh, when I'm in Washington next Thursday and Friday with mm. the um, incoming administration. And just just to say that from our experience in Hawaii, we know what works uh, and we have had some experiences with what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So that's what we have to do. I, I don't know whether the legislature will do it in November or, or quickly in January, but either way, we should. Let me just say this to everyone. We should treat it like we have a mask mandate, everyone. It, this is, in many ways, this is on our honor, right, to wear masks. I know that there are some out there that just hate them, but you're saving lives when you're out around other people and you're wearing masks. Mm-hmm. You really are. And I'm going on call this weekend. I'm bound to see someone very sick uh, with COVID that didn't, you know, that didn't need to catch it. Mm. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, quick follow-up with the mask mandate thing. Um, with regards to tickets, would the city fight you because you know, the police are the ones who are probably going to have to pass out the tickets, right? So that's more stuff that they're going to have to do? Well, they, they kind of have to do it now anyway, because mm-hmm. right now the mayor has a mask mandate. It's just that when they ticket them, they give them a $5,000 fine and a year in jail, up to, mm-hmm. all of which gets thrown out. So they're doing it anyway. I think it would be actually much easier 
for them to have a quick warning and, and people know. Also, people will actually listen. That's the, that's the best part of it. Mm. They'll have to pass out a lot less violations because people will know that they are vulnerable to getting this, say, $100 ticket. Uh, I mean, whether it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever, it's just got to be enough to make sure people actually listen. And it's, uh, it's, I hate to say it, because sometimes you have to be firm about things. It would be short term. I would only do it for essentially six months with the option for an additional six months if the COVID uh, pandemic is still going on. We could have thresholds where we're able to get rid of it. But, you know, it's a good idea. It's a good idea to be ahead of this because if we're not, the COVID crisis could go on a lot longer. And you know, the, the sooner we knock this thing out, mm-hmm. the sooner we get back to normal. So, so you know, just my opinion, but okay. I think that it's, it's a good move. It's a lot. Look, having a mask on is a lot less onerous than having another shutdown. Having a mask on is a lot better than not being able to afford to keep a hospital open. Mm-hmm. Having masks on and having our kids actually be able to go to school so that we can get on with our daily lives and that they can get educated is good. Uh, so it's central to all of our policy needs. And that's why it's funny, because I, I know that you guys get a lot of emails and texts and, and pressure even from some of the other elected officials to to kind of throw down the gloves and, and challenge whether or not we should let tourists come here or whether surveillance testing is enough. Hmm. But all of that is is secondary to the need to have a, a, a really religious commitment to mask wearing. Mm-hmm. Mask wearing is what stopped the virus in Taiwan and Japan. And it just, in certain parts of the United States, it really knocked it down. So that's where we should go. And then let me help vaccinate the whole state if people want to have a vaccination once it's safe. Then we're really cooking. Okay. All right. Um, sir, I wanted to pivot ever so slightly and talk about in this pandemic, um, the situation with unemployment benefits over at the State Labor Department. Um, can you update us on what is happening there? Yes. I, I mean, I can give some basic updates. I, I do have to defer to the Labor Secretary and, and the Gov on this, but it's, it's terrible it, when people can't get their benefits. But the flip side is, and I hope people recognize this, it, when you had to deal with 150,000 applications, and the last 10,000 are the, by far the hardest to get sorted out. I'm not saying that it's all been done right. Of course, there were challenges. And it actually cost us uh, one labor director because uh, it was just it overwhelmed him after mm-hmm. you know a few weeks. I mean, it just was too much. It's the largest single project probably we've ever had to do in the state of Hawaii, I would say. Maybe even, I guess, secondary to the rail, which has been a total fiasco, right? But... The, um, the acute nature and having to do it suddenly in one month, try to get 150,000 individuals or some such number benefits, it's really challenging. And most of the applications, if not 99% of them that mm-hmm. are hung up, had problems. And it's complicated because some people applied 15 times. Some people sent in applications to the PUA program and this program and there was data that was missing. I'm not, look, I'm not criticizing anyone because I'm the first to admit that I make, I'm just as likely as anybody to make a mistake filling in forms and whatnot. But it, uh, it means that if, like, for instance, I looked at a bunch of the applications, a lot of people didn't put in the, ad- the right numbers uh, for direct deposit. Their, their account numbers were flawed. They, they didn't have enough numbers. So mm-hmm. when that application gets rejected, 
there's hardly anyone to blame except that just an error was made by the applicant. And once it gets fixed, they're doing all that they can to fix it. It's true we need more people there. We always do. I hope that the team hires as many uh, as many leaders that can get into that office as possible because I want everyone to get their benefits. It's probably going to be important because also I do expect uh, when when Vice President Biden is inaug is uh, inaug the inauguration occurs, the inaugurated. <laughs> I think he's going oh, to. Uh, he had to. He had yeah, to put I that in. He had to put that in. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's going to be a plan to take care of workers. You know, so we're going to have benefits to deliver, mm-hmm. and so hopefully we'll learn from whatever mistakes were made before. People are right to speak up and protest. I respect them for that. I, I'll just say that it's okay. It's good, in fact, because protests do light a fire under government officials. And so I spent half my life in the hospital and the other times here as, as lieutenant governor. It's a um, it's a good thing when people speak up and, and, and do it peacefully, though. Not It's not good when they hold guns outside of a, a ballot counting. Uh, mm-hmm. thing. That's not good. <laughs> That's not right. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't care what people say about guns. It, you're not you should not threaten people with the, the, the specter of violence. That's not OK. No one should face that but it is excellent to to uh, use freedom of speech when something's going wrong or can be done better in government or there's been an injustice so i'm proud of people for speaking up and hopefully we can get better each day okay thank you very much lieutenant governor josh green joining us uh sandy camelli uh wrote to us on our facebook uh, to ask you why can't cares act funds be used to pay for covid testing uh, most mostly for hawaii residents traveling to neighbor islands it can and should be. I propose that. I, I, I actually asked the, the team to um, do antigen testing, and we should pay for it for all. Uh, it's not just um, – you can't legally do something only for residents without some difficulties in the law. But anyone flying inner island to get around the uh, quarantine, the, you know, the 14-day quarantine for mm-hmm. travel between the neighbor islands, is in our public health interest, and I think we should pay for that. We typically have, well, historically, we had 25,000 people traveling in our island a day. I, I assume it won't be more than half of that, but that would be about 10 to 14,000 individuals, which a, a quick rapid test would help. Eventually, we don't need it. I mean, I would say that come January or February, we won't need to be testing for inter island travel. Probably will not be of any benefit. But for a couple months, I think it's the right and generous thing to do. So I'm going to keep pressing that. I don't think we should use the PCR test, which costs $120, $130 and takes three days to get done. And we need that supply. But antigen tests are simpler. Uh, keep in mind that there are some false positive challenges. So if you have a if you have a positive on an antigen test, then you should get a confirmatory test. But, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing. I, whoever made that recommendation, you can tell them I'm making the same recommendation. Okay. How, when will we find out whether you can actually do that? Like, who makes that call? The director of health and the governor make that call. We will see whether they make the move to antigen testing. And the mayors have been very generous. That you know, the mayor of uh, Big Island is paying for all the antigen tests that come in for all travelers already. And they're going to shrink that down to just twenty percent of travelers because the the pre travel program, the safe travel program, has worked so well and it's been clear that people aren't traveling in and needing multiple tests. But they're already doing it there. And I think that they're also doing it on Kauai, and there's a little bit of testing going on Maui. So the key is having that capacity, and the antigen tests are pretty easy. 
I was I was interested. I, I mean, I'm like I said, I, I'm a fan of what's going on at the airport to have extra testing and that that uh, mobile testing lab. But it was interesting to me, and I'm going to get more details that they're not focusing more on the antigen test and rapid test. I think that over time, that's probably a good way to pivot. Uh, first, it'll be cheaper for the city and county as far as the amount of CARES monies that they have to use. And second, it's just more efficient. You know, waiting three days for a test result is not particularly great fun. And wait until there's a you know, backlog on the mainland. It goes back to five, six, seven days again, right? That's going to be very challenging. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, one other question we got on Facebook from uh, Heidi Krull. Uh, she asked, how many surveillance tests were done on Oahu so far and how many visitors versus residents? I don't even know if that kind of information is available. but uh, It's probably not broken out yet. The st- when the study gets finished, they'll have that. It was about 1,000 on, on Oahu, and the bulk of the tests that were done were people that landed on Big Island. Now, keep in mind, it's a scientific assessment, and travelers to Big Island mirror the travelers to Oahu and to Maui and Kauai. I mean, there's very small distinctions, but look, we're checking what the positivity rate is after people got here with the pretest. That's the premise that we're trying to test. So it really doesn't matter much, but mostly it was a goose egg. I believe there was only one person outside of Big Island that tested positive, and then it was uh, nine out of about 10,000 or 9,500 on Big Island tested mm-hmm. positive. So it's a, a very small number. That number will fluctuate some. It, you know, I had predicted it would be about one in a thousand or so. It got, it got as high as one out of 800 in uh, uh, French Polynesia. We started out at one out of 1,500, and then three people tested positive over the course of a couple of days. But it's really low. And it's lower than our base rate here in Hawaii. So, you know, with 115,000, I'm sorry, 155,000 people screened, of which many are uh, residents returning, a Mm -hmm. third. Two-thirds are visitors, one-third are returning residents. Of those numbers, of 155,000 people, it's probably about, I would would expect like about 140 people in three weeks may have come in positive, asymptomatic. And those individuals are still being told to wear masks. They're asymptomatic. They may very well be past the, you know, past their disease state now. You know, it can't be perfect, but we also can't stay completely closed all the way until May, June, July next year once, once the virus finally dies down with a vaccination. We would have to shut hospitals, shut schools. We wouldn't survive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is the balance. I'm glad people are, are looking at the balance. It's... Uh, it's something that we can constantly get better at. And if we do see a big surge, yes, then we add more testing. That's, I think, what we're seeing a reflection of with uh, the mayors asking for extra testing, uh, putting some of the CARES resources, which is a smart thing to use. Okay. One last question from our Facebook uh, people. Uh, we got from Yanni's World. Uh, they'd like to know, what are we doing about families of six or more about six or more being able to have family outings or going to eat like everyone else. I'm assuming they must have a family. Of big family. Six. Yeah, they must have a big family. Look, I think they should all be allowed, but the mayor is the one who made those rules. Uh, you know, I have nothing to say, but I don't have any say about what uh, Mayor Caldwell does. So he made those rules. Uh, they're arbitrary in a way, although they did work to a degree because we saw a decrease in cases. Mm-hmm. But obviously people who are already living in their household bubble 
that should be allowed. It's, it's absurd not to allow that. So uh, I don't think anyone's actually going to get busted for that, especially if you've got a few kids that you can show that they're actually your kids and it's not just a family gathering with their friends. It's a matter of, you know, it's a matter of using common sense, really. Most people are reasonable and with the exception of people feeling stressed out, we can make good decisions. All right. It's funny you just mentioned uh, sort of, you know, the Mayor, Mayor Kirk Caldwell's policies, etc. I know you have said in the past yourself, uh, you and Mayor Caldwell don't always see eye to eye. So I'm just wondering now with the election of a new mayor coming in with Rick Blangiardi, do you anticipate better or worse cooperation between the city and the state? I would say infinitely better for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm very fond of... That was low-hanging fruit, Lieutenant Governor. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's... Uh, I've worked with Rick for years. He is very passionate about homelessness and solutions that I've proposed in the past. Uh, look, I think the mayor, the current mayor, did a lot of great things um, these last few months, and he's done some things that rankle people. But for me, just it's, easy, it's an easier working relationship. Because uh, there was there was an irrational competition going on between um, the Mayor Caldwell and myself. It's just not good for anybody, and it's got to go. There was a lot of silliness and, frankly, some cheap shots. And look, I'm human too, but I don't think there should be any politics in in COVID. And so I I will work closely. I'm going to be briefing the uh, the mayor's elect with our leadership team. I think next Tuesday, and. A lot of people have done hard work. Let me say something nice about Mayor Caldwell. He's been working really hard to keep people safe, okay? And now let me say something mean. He, he picks on me when I'm trying to do regular health stuff, and it's stupid. Oh, so dear. we're not going to have that going forward. And I'm glad to be able to just focus on COVID without any politics. So that will be great. And I think, you know, it, it's fresh blood. And no matter who it was, I, 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 think, I'm, I think very highly of um, Mr. Amamiya, he is a good soul and and gave it his all it's just in this particular election people picked uh rick langiardi i think because he uh he has some he's got that executive affect and people are a little nervous right now and i think that's probably why he got picked in the end because both were very good people and now i'm looking forward to him kicking butt with with me on some of these issues homelessness and COVID among them Mm, okay Okay. we're watching the presidential results roll in and of course we still don't have a really clear winner um but if joe biden should prevail in the presidential election what would that mean for you know response on COVID 19 do you think do you think things will change yes 100 percent i'm i'm going to dc to talk to some of the incoming health leadership and uh i have I have a lot of connections to that universe. So for one thing, there will be definitely a more um, robust package to get through with, with support for people who can't work. There will be uh, a, a definite change in the health policy. We'll get a mask mandate. I'm almost certain I'm advising some of them on that already. And, and I'm going to learn from them too. Uh, Dr. Fauci will keep his job, which is a good thing. Mm. Uh, or, or will be restored to his job if Trump in a fit fires him, which I wouldn't be surprised by. Uh, all, you know, full disclosure, I'm kind of fond, fond of Fauci. And uh, <laughs> it'll be... He's got a lot of man crush going game. on. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Look, he's, I don't have a lot of role models, but 
um, or or people that can be mentors these days. It's difficult for me, but uh, he's one of them. Mm. So I appreciate him. And uh, it'll just be safer. We will see we'll see a million fewer deaths over time by having a, a policy that is based on full science that sure there'll be some some pushback. People don't love wearing masks, but we will deliver the vaccination efficiently. And in fairness to uh, President Trump, he has been working with our team and, and we with him to get that ready. But I think that will be a much more uh, there'll be a much clearer direction on safe health policy through 2021 to get through the COVID crisis. Thank you very much. Lieutenant Governor Josh Green.